Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Please join us at 9 and 11 a.m. at the Somerville Campus and 11 a.m. at the North Charleston and Remount Campuses. Thank you. We hope you are blessed through listening. Take your Bibles out and turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. On that day, and you can remain seated. We'll get to our text a little bit later. On that day, there were 266 people who were killed on four planes. Of those, 19 were terrorists. There were 2,595 people that were killed in the World Trade Centers. There were 125 people who were killed at the Pentagon. Of those who were killed in the World Trade Centers, 343 were New York City firefighters. There were 60 policemen who were killed when that all occurred, leaving a total of count of 2,985 people. You got to ask yourself, why? Why? As as you think about it, as you reflect on it, why did did so many people die? I'm not so presumptuous to think they were all believers, but many of those were Christians and many of those died without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems so capricious that, that maybe those who were on the higher floors didn't make it out. And those who were on the lower floors may have made it out to safety. And so you wonder, life and death is determined in that moment about which floor you were working on at that time. And you've got to ask yourself the question, why did this happen? And how did this occur? And why do the righteous suffer? And why do good people die? And why do all these things take place? I think one of the lessons we learn from this right out of the gate is, is hurt happens pain happens, suffering happens, and as long as we are in this flesh, as long as we are in this world, we will have to deal with the issue of how do we handle suffering? How do we handle pain? Some people live in chronic pain and they deal with it all their lives and their bodies and others live with intermittent pain. It comes and it goes and yet all of us at some time or another in our life will experience pain and will experience suffering. There are many different kinds of pain. Some will have pain in their bodies. And they go through days and months and years with pain in their physical body. Uh, Medicine is a multi-billion dollar industry in America today. and, And so many medications out there and so much of that is for pain. And yet there's a lot of the medicine out there for depression, for anxiety. And so not only is there a physical kind of pain, there is a mental pain. There is a mental depression that can be almost as bad. And you feel like that dark cloud is hanging over top of your head there's also the pain and suffering of loss and and as you thought about it this this is one statistic that just kind of gripped my heart 1609 people lost a spouse on 9-11 3051 children lost a parent and these are losses that they will deal with and have been dealing with for these last 10 years and they feel the loneliness and they feel the heartache and they feel the pain from that. And, and, 
I think sometimes that we are not careful in the church, we don't want to talk about pain and we don't want to talk about suffering. And so we construct these theological boxes uh, that somehow that uh, we kind of believe in our mind that God won't do this or God won't allow this to happen. And if I'm a good person, bad things can't happen to me because I am a good person. And we seek ways to avoid it altogether. But I will tell you, pain and suffering pays no attention to our theological boxes. You can make all kinds of a whole theological system and you can pull scriptures out of context here and there and you can grab those and you can try to declare all you want that it will never ever happen because I am a child of God, but you can try to run from it, but you can't escape and you can try to prevent it, but there is not a chance. Suffering and pain is a part of this life. And so we want to look at the lessons from God's word today. And I want to look at Job chapter one. And I want to give you some examples. And, and it, all the way go, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The bottom line is Adam and Eve fell. And when they fell in the garden, sin and pain rushed into this earth. Uh, when sin came in, suffering followed right behind it. Uh, and death followed right behind it. Uh, and it all came in at the fall of the garden. Uh, and so this pain and heartache goes from generation to generation. Now one day, uh, there'll be a day when there's no more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain. And no more death, and, and that last enemy will be vanquished once and for all. But until that time comes, we'll still have funeral services. And we'll still have to say goodbye or until I see you again on the other side. Job is a book that I think probably addresses the whole point of suffering, maybe unlike any other book in the Word of God. And so look at Job chapter 1. And I'll begin with verse 13, and you kind of get this whole sense of pain and suffering and, and what this is all about, and yet we'll see how this story ends as well. Job 1 and 13, now there was a day when, the, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the, in the oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you about it. So right away you see financial loss. He loses his whole crops and everything he owns and his, uh, his animals and his livelihood is lost. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep, and the servants were consumed with them, and I am the only one left to tell you about it. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone am left to tell you about it. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and your daughters. Now it's getting real close. We're eating and drinking wine with their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young men. And they were all, they are all dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and he worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And look at what he says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22, and all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. 
Jump, if you would, to chapter 2 and verse number 7. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took himself potsured and to scrape himself and while he sat in the midst of the ashes. And his wife said to him, Do you still hold your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, a couple of things that jump out of this story about suffering is, is first of all, you see the source of pain is the attack of Satan. Uh, Satan came, he attacked, he launched this all-out attack against Job, uh, and he is still attacking today. The Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his uh, method of operation there. And, and, and in 9-11, he came through terrorists, and 19 terrorists got on planes, and they boarded those planes, and they went and they attacked their different targets along the way. And they thought they were in a mission for Allah, but I want to tell you they were really demonically inspired they were satanically inspired and so these attacks and the attack on job came from satan he lost everything he owned he lost his children he lost his livelihood and ultimately he loses his own health in the process but i will also tell you this very quickly as you study the book of job if you are a child of god you've got a protective hedge about your life There is a bloodline uh, that Satan cannot cross because Jesus Christ is greater still than all the forces of darkness. But we also see from the book of Job uh, that for a season, uh, God allowed that hedge to be lifted or removed uh, so that Job would be tested and tried in his faith. And it'll do the same in our lives. The enemy will attack. And sometimes we wonder why, and God's not sending the attack, but I will tell you, he is still God. He's the God of the city, he's the God of the nation, God of the world. And so God, in his own uh, sovereignty, allows these things to happen in our lives. Uh, and then we don't understand why, and we cry out, God, why is this happening? Job comes down to verse 21, and he comes to this conclusion. He says, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. But the bottom line is, blessed be the name of the Lord. I will still praise you. I will still serve you. I will still follow you. So in many ways, uh, those attacks that come our way serve to strengthen our faith and our resolve. Will I serve you only in the good times? Or will I still serve you in the difficult times? And in verse 10, he says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Will I serve you only when things are going well? Or will I serve you when things aren't going so well? There's a promise, and I love this promise. It's in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. Even in pain, even in suffering, we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so let me tell you what God allows to happen, even in these attacks from Satan, he is able to turn those around for his glory, his honor, his good, his praise. In Job 1 and 22, he still not did blame or curse God. Turn, if you would, to the Job chapter 42. And I don't think I have it on the screen, but I wanted to read it to you. It's just a great place. 
Job 42 and look at verse number, uh, verse 12. If I can find it. Okay, here it is. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. Isn't that an incredible way to end the book of Job? I read Job when I just got done reading Job several weeks ago in my Bible reading time. And when you read Job, you can get so depressed when you're reading that book. And these arguments are going back and forth. And those who are around him are trying to accuse him of sin and wrongdoing. And so Job is always in defense of himself. And it comes down to the very end of the book, though, and it leaves you this verse. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. That's the great news, my friends. God is able to take what the enemy allows to happen and turn it around for his good. Let me uh, take you to another example, and that's found in 1 Chronicles chapter Chapter 4 and verses 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. There's a story of a man by the name of Jabez. You hear very little about this man in the word of God. But look at these two verses, 9 and 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez because I have borne him in pain. And Jabez called on the name of the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now, the name Jabez means pain. And he, th- th- there, there had to have been something in childbirth. This was, it's always painful in childbirth, but this was not a normal childbirth. And so you don't know uh, where the word Jabez or pain came from. Uh, we know that his mother must have been a very long time of labor. Maybe he was a breech baby. Uh, maybe he was turned the wrong way. We don't know what happened in his birth time. It could have been not just physical pain. It may have been emotional pain. Maybe his daddy had left him uh, because all that's recorded here in the story is the, is the, the, the mother is listed there, but there's no mention of the father. So maybe he was born out of wedlock. Maybe the father had left him behind, uh, whatever the case may be, pain. And so you carry that moniker, you wear that the rest of your life. Uh, and, 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 but then he prays this great prayer. And he says in verse number 10, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. What a great prayer that your hand would be with me and you would Keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain or you may take the pain away in some translations. And it says, so God granted him what he requested. Now, what does that say to us? That labels, God is able to take the labels that society wants to put upon you and God is able to turn that around and bless you and change your label. And so from now on, he is going to be called pain or a royal pain as he's growing up, but he says, God, you bless me. You enlarge my territory. You take away my pain. Some, some of you come from very dysfunctional families, dysfunctional homes, and as a result, your life's a wreck. You had a terrible godfather, a father-son relationship or a mother-daughter relationship, and your home was dysfunctional. Maybe it was an alcoholic family. Maybe it was an absent dad. Maybe you're raised by a single parent, and you've got all that 
pain uh, that's associated with your upbringing. Uh, But the Bible says, and he prayed. And God was able to take that pain away. Uh, And so I have got good news for you. You don't have to wear that label anymore. God is able to take the pain away and bring healing to you. Uh, Turn to Romans chapter 5. He talks about the benefit of trials and tests. And while nobody looks for them, look at what it can do to your faith. Romans 5 and verse number 3. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. We glory in tribulation. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so God is able to even take the suffering, take the pain, and through that he'll build perseverance. And through the perseverance he'll build your faith. And ultimately that gives you a hope that one day it's all going to end and be over. Story of Jabez. And then turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me give you one more example and that's the example of the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 5. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 5 to 7. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh, flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, the God who comforts the downcast. Isn't that that a The God who comforts the downcast. Comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation for which he was comforted in you. When he told of his earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, that I rejoiced even more. Paul often spoke of his infirmities, uh, of his test, uh, of being persecuted, of being beaten, of being abandoned, of being shipwrecked along the way, of fears and infirmities and weakness, and he knew lots of pain. Uh, But he said, God has come in the form of Titus, who comforts us when we are downcast. Uh, Turn, if you would, to chapter 10. Look at verse number, or look look at chapter 12. First, Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number, number 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God is able to come and comfort us in our time of discomfort. And he's able to even use these trials to point up those things in our spirits. The thorn in the flesh. He said that was given to me to keep me humble. Pain and suffering comes. You see it over and over again in the word of God. But look at the benefits of suffering. There's nothing that unifies the body like suffering and pain. It has a way of pulling the church together. We saw that 10 years ago at 9-11. 
When all that happened, people begin to pray together and they begin to cry together and they begin to embrace each other and they came to the churches uh, and they rallied around each other. They helped each other through that time of difficulty. The body possesses unity only to the measure it feels each other's pain. There's nothing more unifying that can draw us together when we feel each other's hurt and pain and suffering. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 21. 1 Corinthians 12 and 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think less honorable on these, we bestow greater honor. And our presentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part that lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care of one another. And so when there's a weaker member, when there's a suffering member, when there's a hurting member, we begin to care for each other. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Uh, about five years ago, I was out playing football with the guys. And uh, you that were here remember this event because I came in with the uh, slings on my arm and I was preaching with a sling here because I had, I had dove for a ball and I was going to be the hero. It was going to be on the ESPN highlight reel. And I dove for the football and I jammed my shoulder into the ground and I broke my collarbone. I have never experienced pain like that in my life. My, but what happened is when, when I broke my collarbone, my entire body kicked into gear. And it proceeded to writhe on the ground and I pulled up into a fetal position and began to, and so my, my body began to react to the pain that the collarbone was feeling and my mouth got engaged. And so I began to holler and scream (laughs) and my right arm got engaged because it immediately reached over and embraced the broken collarbone. And so, so what happens is in that time of pain in any part of your body and Paul calls the body of Christ. He says, we're all members of one another. He describes some as being the hands and the feet and the eyes, and we all need each other. But he says, when one member suffers, everybody reaches out to embrace that hurting member. That's the natural way your body copes with suffering and pain. Then on top of it, a member of the spiritual body took me to the clinic. And so he quit this football game and he said, here, jump in my car. I'll take you one of these dock in the boxes. And he took me there and they did the x-rays and they did all that. And he sat with me the whole time I was in the hospital. And so you had a case there of, of other members of the body of Christ reaching out and helping me during my time of physical pain. And, and Paul says, when, when we experience pain and suffering, it has a way of drawing the body of Christ together again. And when a body is functioning properly, we all all hurt. I think that's why this nation was so rocked at, at 9-11, because the America was grieving. America was hurting. There was a deep wound uh, with inside of every single one of us. And for a while, America was in a time of prosperity, and we were going on like nothing was wrong, and everything was wonderful, and we were at ease, uh, and we may have for a time lost that capacity to experience pain, uh, but 9-11 woke us up. We begin to feel and hurt and and grieve again. 
It is the time when there is hurting all around us, whether it be a natural disaster, whether it be hurricanes, uh, whether it be uh, tornadoes, whatever may come and sweep across our land. It is a time for the church to rise up uh, and reach out as that member of the body of Christ uh, and, and minister to those who are hurting and broken. It opens up to them to the gospel like nothing else can do when the church is there to respond. Some have said, you know what, and this has kind of divided the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, you should not experience pain. And if you're going through suffering, if you're sick in body, it must be because you lack faith. It must be because there's sin in your life, like they accused Job of. It must be because there's something else wrong. Listen, when we begin to take that theological posture, when some in the body of Christ took that position, it further divided the body. So what happened is everybody who was suffering or hurting, uh, instead of being reached out to and loved and ministered to there must be something wrong with your faith if you only had enough faith you wouldn't be so sick and it further divided the body and yet paul says when suffering comes when one member suffers when one member in other words christians can suffer when one member suffers what happens it should the natural reaction is the whole body comes together and cares for the suffering hurting members of the body of christ If you deny pain, if you deny suffering, it just further divides the body. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Sometimes in the body of Christ, it's necessary to come along and reset the broken bone. And in the resetting of the bone, that can also cause pain. But he describes how the body functions together, even in matters of caring and loving each other. And sometimes real love is not just patting on the back and say everything's going to be all right. Sometimes real love says, you know what? Listen, you're doing some things that are messing your life up. And I care about you and I love you and I don't want to see you go down that path. And we get this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyous for the present, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. There are some in the journey who are growing feeble. Their hands have grown weary. They're hanging low. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. And so if there is a lame part of the leg or the body that when I broke my ankle, when I went into the doctor sometime later, he had to come in and re-break it and reset that bone so it would heal right. And he says, if there's someone who is crooked or, or dislocated or, or a member of the body that's going down the wrong path or, or their hands are hanging down or they fall into sin, we may have to at times come along and re-break it and it doesn't feel good, but that may be the very thing that will bring ultimate healing. It will make their path straight so they can make it across the finish line, pain. The, the next thing about pain I want you to observe and suffering is simply this. I think any time there's suffering, it is always a call for change or transformation. God can use suffering and pain in a very unique way. He can use it in a way to change us and transform us. For example, if your stomach, if you have a stomach ache and you ignore that pain and just say, you know, I, my, I'm fine, but your stomach is hurting all the time, it may be a call for you to go to the doctor and have an x-ray to see what's really going on inside your stomach. 
like there may be something in there that ought not to be there. If you're having severe headaches, what do you do? You don't ignore them. You go to the doctor, x-ray me, see what's going on. And when they get that x-ray, it may show there's something growing on the brain that ought not to be there. And as a result, because that pain awakens you to what was going on in your body, they were to come in and take that cancer out or remove that from your stomach and healing could occur. You could get the proper treatment you you needed. But if you ignored the pain, if you never listened to what your body is saying, that could continue to grow in there and ultimately destroy you. And so pain and suffering can be a way of God to produce change in our lives. Now, this is true in a spiritual realm as well. Uh, Pain can be a symptom of a greater sickness in our body, a a, a greater illness, a a greater problem in our body. And so the word of God says, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, that he said, lest I was buffeted beyond measure, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. And I prayed, God, take it away. And I prayed again, God, take it away. And I prayed again, God, take it away. But God allowed this to remain in me to keep me humble, to bring in a change that I needed in my life. And that's the same way that God will often respond to pain with. I close with a story about a guy in the Bible that is just so colorful. And I, I did preached a whole series on Jacob. But you remember the story. Jacob's about to have an encounter with his older brother Esau. He comes to the river Jabbok, and he stays up all night. He sends his family on ahead of him. He's all by himself. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord came down, and they had this wrestling match all night long. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came down, and he would not let go. Jacob says, I will not let go until you bless me. And he says he touched the hollow of his hip, and he literally threw his hip out of joint. And so that from that day on, Jacob would always walk with a limp. But there was also something else that happened through that. He says, I no longer am going to call you Jacob, which means cheater, stealer, deceiver. Now I am changing your name to Israel, one who has power with God, one who has clout with almighty God. And so he would walk with that painful reminder of what he used to be, but now God was taking that pain and would change his character. And I will tell you, any person in the Bible who was used by God in great ways always walked with some sort of a limp or other. So pain is that catalyst that produces change. When 9-11 occurred, the churches were full. It was a chance for America to wake up. And many people did turn to the Lord. And God did use that in many ways to to get the word of God out and get the gospel out. And people heard the gospel message. and, And some took that as an opportunity to change their life. But I wanted to ask you, what will it take for God to wake up America and touch our hearts again and bring that only change that he can bring? The church needs to learn the reality of pain. We can't deny it or flee from it, but it's the hour for the church to learn how to minister to people who are hurting in their times of suffering. And it's also a wake-up call for all of us to turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly why suffering occurs. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 3. I want to close with this chapter. Psalm chapter 3. This is written at a time when David is 
running for his life from Absalom. He has fled Jerusalem. The kingdom is about to be taken away from him. And he writes these words. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God, Selah. Think about it. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke and the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O God, for you have struck all my enemies on my on the cheekbone, you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people, Selah. Listen, I, I he he was attacked, he was running for his life, but he says, "You are my glory and the lifter of my head." And if you are going through pain and suffering, it's not the time to get your head down and and drag your chin on the ground and and give up and throw in the towel and play the why me game poor me look at what I'm going through it is time to do exactly what David did when the enemies is around you lift up your head and say God's salvation comes from the Lord I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help and you begin to look up and trust and believe in God let whatever you're going through drive you into the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is your comforter he is your sustainer he is your savior he is your helper he is the only one who can give you victory and so whatever your experience let us drive us right back into the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ when that pain comes When that suffering comes, let it be a call to say, God, I come to you. I rest in you. I depend on you. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.